Hello and welcome to the Tebby podcast from The Evidence-Based Investor. I'm Robin Powell and this podcast is produced as always by Regis Media, which provides and distributes financial education and marketing content for advice firms around the world. We have two guests on this episode. They're Matt Hall and PJ McDaniel. Now, Matt is co-founder and president of Hill Investment Group in St. Louis uh, and is author of uh, Odds On, The Making of an Evidence-Based Investor. PJ McDaniel is director of Hill Folio, a robo-advisor recently launched by Hill Investment Group. And we're proud to have Hill Folio as a strategic partner for Tebby in the United States. Matt and PJ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. We're proud to be affiliated with you. Oh. We love the content that you put out and um, you know, applaud the, the brave uh, questions you ask and the way you sort of push the industry forward. So thanks for what you do. Well, Matt, that's very kind. And you, you've been very inspirational to us uh, as well. You're both speaking today from St. Louis, Missouri, and, and St. Louis has always struck me as, as possibly being the, the epicenter of evidence-based investing in the United States, if, if not in the world. You've got, uh, as well as your good selves, the BAM Alliance just down the road from you. Uh, there's a Plan Corp. So there seem to be uh, a lot of, of evidence-based firms in a, in a small space. Yes, St. Louis, I think, is uh, the epicenter of the evidence-based or passive, as we used to say, uh, uh, world. Rex Sinkfield is from St. Louis, co-founder of Dimensional Fund Advisors. Dan Wheeler, who started the advisor division of Dimensional Fund Advisors, is from this area. Uh, Buckingham, Plancorp, Hill Investment Group. Uh, Larry Swedro, who you've had on your show and has written uh, 15 or 16 or 20 books now, I can't keep track, is uh, here in St. Louis. So there's an insane amount of content, energy, and leadership that is uh, either born in St. Louis or seems to um, come back here. So yeah, we're really proud of, of all of the energy that's here in this, this part of the world. Now, I, I'm guessing, Matt, that quite a few listeners to this podcast will already have uh, read your uh, book, Odds On, The Making of an Evidence-Based Investor. Clearly, uh, those who haven't read it should rush out and get it. But can you just give us a sneak preview of what's in there? Yeah, Robin, this actually gets at the core of what I spend a lot of my time thinking about is if our investment approach makes sense and puts the odds of long-term investing success on the side of the investor, how can we translate the academic research to a real human, a real person, right. in a way that he or she will digest? Um, I had a lot of experience giving away books that were highly technical. And as an advisor, I love them. As a professional, as a practitioner, I really got a lot out of these books. Mm. But when I would give them to friends or neighbors or family members and say, listen, I'm really turned on by this, aren't you too? They would get hung up either by the language we use or uh, by the insane level of detail in many of the books I would share. I think we lose sight of the fact that when you say uh, some industry acronyms, 
it can hijack a person's attention and take them away from the real message you're trying to communicate. So I wrote a book in large part, not because we needed another uh, book talking about the power of sort of evidence-based investing, but because we needed another book or at least a book in my opinion that buried the vegetables yes. that, that took the essential lessons and put them inside of a personal narrative. And it was um, a challenging thing to do, first-time author, but I had been around a lot of people who had written books and had been successful with books. And so I followed their lead in some ways and went a completely different path than others. And and I'm super proud of what's happened. And I got to tell you, Robin, it's been a transformational experience putting a book out in the universe, getting to meet and talk with people like you, advisors all over the Netherlands. The book has been converted to Dutch. I had someone fly from London to New York, to St. Louis, to have lunch with me, to ask me questions about the book. I mean, I've met strangers and connected with uh, people near and far in so many interesting ways, and I can't recommend, especially to uh, advisors or practitioners who are, out, who are out there thinking about writing a book themselves, who follow what you put out. Um, for me, it's been an exceptional experience, but I think in part because I tried to do something very different. Well, you, you certainly have done, and I think we should give a shout out to uh, Robert Van Beek, who, who presumably was the guy who translated your uh, book into Dutch, I'm, I'm guessing. He, he does a lot of work, I know, with um, Carl Richards, for example, in uh, the Netherlands and in, in Belgium, and uh, has really uh, helped to, to fight the evidence-based investing cause in that, in that part of the world. Absolutely. He deserves a shout out and, and uh, has opened a whole pathway for for me with uh, Dutch advisors, which is fun. Something I wouldn't have expected. So briefly, Matt, uh, and I'll come to you in, in a moment, PJ. Matt, can you just briefly tell me about Hill Investment Group? Yeah, so um, Rick Hill and I started Hill Investment Group in June of 2005. We both worked together at Buckingham Asset Management. Buckingham and BAM collectively are now a $50 billion uh, presence. and But we had a great experience there and were there when it was very, very small. Uh, left when it was about five billion, and uh, so when when we left, we thought let's start our own firm and um, let's have a small group of clients and really give them a lot of attention. But the same sort of investment philosophy, and um, I would say we kind of we called what we were building the island of idealism. What that meant to us was we sort of kept uh, what we uh, loved about our prior experience and and. Um, and baked in a few new ideas of what, how we would treat clients and work with clients. So uh, we have an office in Houston, Texas, and an office in St. Louis, Missouri. We have clients about a third are in St. Louis or around here, about a third are in Houston, a third or somewhere else in the country. Um, our core client group is um, you know, a, the sort of affluent investor who understands our approach, who likes to delegate, and is fun to work with. Those are kind of the criteria we, we look for. We have 11 employees. And um, we're passionate about this approach and the difference it can make in people's lives over the long term. And recently, you've started a very exciting new venture called uh, Hill Folio, um, which I suppose is a, is a robo-advisor. There's some debate, isn't there, PJ, about whether robo-advisor is actually a, an appropriate name for, 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 for the kind of service that you offer. What, what would you call it? Yeah, you know, we hear that term often these days, and we don't want to be called a robo because everything we do on the front end is is a human, right? Uh, basically, what we're doing is 
extending the philosophy and the team just to a wider audience by really embracing the technology that's out there. It's fascinating. It continues to get better. Uh, and so everything that we do on the front end is is human. Uh, and then as we start to onboard clients, it feels a little bit like a robo because it's a paperless process. Uh, but robo is, is a term that we don't want to be coupled into. I think also, Robin, because mainly we don't view ourselves as a technology company. Right. You know, we're ultimately we're serving people. Sure. And we care we care deeply not just about the approach, but helping the people be disciplined. Um, and so that's that. I don't know that there's any proof yet that uh, a robo, uh, any of them, no matter how smart the people are there, that the technology can help the human feel um, like they can stick to uh, even the smartest approach. Uh, I think that's where the human touch uh, won't be replaced by technology. I think it needs to be an and, not an either or. Exactly right. Um, I, I've been an interested observer of this uh, space in the U.S. from across the pond. You know, you, you've got, um, if I'm allowed to, to, to mention Betterment, they... They, they are a pretty impressive operation. You've got probably a larger number of, of automated investment services in the US than, than we have over here. Um, and, and it seems to me that a lot of them started out promoting low cost uh, and broadly evidence-based investing, but, but a number of them without you know, mentioning <laughs> mentioning names, have actually gone away from that a little bit. I mean, I'm thinking of one in particular, which has been bought by a, a hedge fund manager. So, so PJ, have you have you got any views on that? Yeah, obviously, cost is a uh, is a big topic, right? Relative to uh, kind of what you're buying and what you're paying for. Mm. Uh, we looked at that deeply, and we'll say that that. You know where we are relative to our fees and costs. Uh, we've done a bunch of research, leaning on a handful of of firms, and, and we are, in terms of price, below about eighty percent of our peer group, right? And I think where where we really separate ourselves is is having the investment philosophy as the benchmark and really the foundation of of what we do for our clients. Uh, so, you know. I think you'll see fees continue to change over time. We're very comfortable with what we offer uh, for what we charge. One thing I was going to say is uh, philosophically, we don't view any of the uh, wealth fronts or betterments or personal capitals or even there's a firm, if you go back in time, that's based in Texas, that has been somewhat successful that I think may be one of the original sort of robos or firms tilted that way mm. called Asset Builder. And I think I don't view any of those firms as threatening or tough competition. They are improving for the investor who was previously ignored by most of our industry. I mean, most of our industry is going after $2 million and more clientele. And uh, if you can democratize evidence-based investing and bring it to everyone, that is exciting. Uh, The world is big enough for all of us. And uh, last I checked, none of those firms were the dominant market share leader. They are many, even the ones backed by venture capital money, 
who likely aren't profitable yet. They're babies compared to the Merrill Lynch's and the UBS's and whatever of the world. The big banks and wirehouses still dominate this space. And we, I think as, a, as an industry or as a group, we need to get over feeling threatened by people who offer something compelling and interesting to the consumer and view them as fans uh, because they're really bringing something that for a very long time was not was not offered at all. So I, I view I view all of the sort of robo competition as hopefully complementary to what we do and potentially a farm system for us. If those people have a great experience and then look for something a little bit more intimate, uh, I think we could be a great extension or offering for those folks. And tell me, PJ, are these um, traditional market cap weighted funds that these uh, Hillfolio clients are invested in or, or is it in dimensional style factor funds or a combination of, of the two? Yeah, it's a great question and the timing couldn't be any better. So uh, Matt and the firm have been uh, passionate in trying to expand the offerings that we have. So we started out with Hillfolio just ETFs, and we were tilting towards the factors that obviously we're passionate about. And about 10 days ago, uh, we not only got funds approved on the platform, but funds that we're extremely passionate about and really tilt towards the factors and align with our investment philosophy. Mm. So it, this is something that we're thrilled about because the average investor can't go directly to these funds. They uh, need to first of all, be educated on, on why these funds act the way they do. Uh, and we're, we're now in the kind of the first inning of, of, of bringing those funds to our existing clients and certainly uh, all of the clients that we have here in the pipeline. So it's an exciting time for us and Hillfolio. I was actually talking to an advisor in the UK earlier today who has a very similar investment philosophy to your own. And he was saying that he, he is increasingly getting um, people who not only want to invest in an evidence-based way, but that also want to invest in a sustainable way. Uh, and clearly, you know, the, the nature of these automated services, you're appealing generally to a younger audience. And, and without wanting to kind of <laughs> compartmentalize people, younger investors often are sustainable investors. Is that something that you are thinking about offering at some stage? Yes, it is. The, historically, the answer has been it's expensive to filter in the way that some uh, prospective clients might want us to filter. So if the cost outweighed the potential benefit, mm -hmm. um, that usually was a hurdle we had a hard time getting over. The answer though today is it's getting better, it's getting cheaper, it's getting easier, and it's getting more customizable, meaning we can account for a greater number of preferences or filters that people would like to see um, placed on their portfolio. So I would say Yes, you're right, Robin. Uh, if we are uh, taking a broader audience and that audience is maybe younger than the typical clientele, we want to account for those preferences. Uh, we can uh, do it now, and it is less expensive. So again, directionally, I think it's all headed in a super place, and um, I think you're spot on that, that that is sort of accounting for those preferences in a low-cost, tax-efficient way is something we're really interested in. 
Now, something else that you as a company, when I say as a company, I, I suppose Heal Investment Group as, as well, is very much focusing on behaviour. Um, Matt, investor behaviour has always been, for you, almost you know, just as important a part of this whole story as cost, if not even more so. Yeah, you know, my friend uh, Carl Richards, he has a sketch and his um, idea originally came out of this thing called the behavior gap, you know, the gap between the return that the investor gets versus the return of the investment itself. And that gap is significant and that gap is generally connected to uh, doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. And so I have been really trying to figure out how to build a curriculum for our firm to get better going beyond the spreadsheet. And for years, we have worked with a psychotherapist who has a portion of her practice who deals just in money. Because the idea for me is, if I can alter someone's behavior in a way that makes them feel more confident, and that confidence leads to discipline, or or even uh, being comfortable acting as a contrarian, if you think about the act of rebalancing, it's 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 so counterintuitive. You're going to buy what's doing poorly, and you're going to sell what's done well. Mm-hmm. That goes against everything in us. Mm-hmm. And so, if we can figure out a way to actually help people lean into that process, that really excites me. Uh, so our firm, I think, is somewhat unique in that we've built our own curriculum, we have our own resource, and we're very serious about it. Because I think, frankly, you can do a lot of harm to yourself, even if you have great underlying uh, recipes. You know, if you have an evidence-based program, but your behavior is awful, I'm not sure how much better that is than if you had a, an active set of funds that were low-cost and tax-efficient and you were very disciplined. Yeah. So you know, ultimately, I think it's uh, – Twofold. We want to have the absolute uh, right approach that puts the odds of success on the investor side, but we also want to help uh, our clients feel understood and well held and connected to us in a way that allows them to be disciplined during trying times. And and going back to to, to you, PJ, um, I, I know from talking to Dan Egan at Betterment, who who heads up there kind of behavioral side of things, uh, that, that this is something that they're very much working on to help encourage Betterment investors to to stay the course, you know, to use the late Jack Bogle's famous phrase. Is, is this something that, that you at Hillfolio are doing as well? You know, we are to, to Matt's point, right? So when we have clients come on board, our newsletter is a great way for us to connect with them to continue to educate our clients. And so we have an open rate of, of over 40% of our newsletter. And so we're passionate about that avenue and, and uh, using that as a tool for clients to continue to understand uh, why we think the way we think. Uh, we also are a big fan of, of obviously podcasts, right? So uh, things like this are a great way for us to kind of continue that education for not just our clients, but also the folks that are interested in learning more about what we do. And so there are a handful of great resources that Matt and the firm have put together. Uh, and, and we continue to build on those resources for both our prospects as well as our clients. And, and Matt, for you, how important is that whole investor education side of things? I mean, how important a function is this of a modern advice firm? I think it's critical. I think ultimately, 
if we work with people who understand our approach and are fun to work with and like to delegate, uh, we can really do valuable work together. But if someone doesn't have the interest nor the capacity to understand the approach, it's likely not the best fit for our firm. There are lots of people out in the investment community who don't care if their clients understand what they do. And I actually wrote about this in Odds On about my first experience in um, the f personal financial services industry. Um, someone told me that their best clients were two things, rich and dumb. We're the opposite. We, we, we care more about people being connected to the work we do, valuing the work we do, and appreciating that there is a science behind the approach. So it's, it's core to who we are. It's core to what we do. Um, and we, we beat that drum, I think, as hard as any I know, just because we've seen the real benefit. And Robin, this goes back to um, in my days working with Larry Swedro when he, I would be with him during uh, talks he would give. He would, give, he would tell a story at the very end called the Big Rock story. Uh, we probably don't have time for it now, but someone go, go read. Uh, I one will. Of, uh, I'm intrigued. Big, big Rock story because it just – Despite a highly technical presentation where we broke a lot of PowerPoint uh, slide rules, uh, too much information and uh, lots of heavy stuff, at the end when Larry would tell the big rock story, people's ears would really um, come forward. They would sit up straight. And what he was doing was marrying or connecting the investment approach with, with where it affects your life. And the real benefit of this approach, I think, is not just higher long-term expected returns, but you get time and energy back. What will you do with the time and energy you get that you used to spend trying to analyze the market and know something that you couldn't really know? You couldn't – and even if you did know something the market didn't know, could you act on it in a, in a reliable, repeatable, robust way that gave you access to a premium you could count on? I think not. Mm. So um, the thing that excites me the most is what you get back in time because I think that is – the sort of unspoken benefit that if we highlighted more for people, I think they would run faster to this approach than even um, we see today. And if I could dovetail off of off of that comment, just going back to education, obviously the book is 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 a critical part of of just the education. In fact, we got a call from a gentleman that picked up Matt's book at a public library in Dallas. And this is someone that read the book. Uh, he does not hit the minimum for Hill Investment Group, but he does hit the minimum for Hill Folio. And he completely understands our philosophy. He embraces it. He's a saver. He's the perfect client for Hill Folio because he understands what we're doing. And ultimately, he wants to get to the level of Hill Investment Group. And with Hill Folio's help, we think we can get him there. And that's really it – was, it was fun for us to take that call because this is a complete, complete stranger – uh, that just picked up the book at a public library, spent the time to educate himself, and now he's looking to really align his investments with our investment philosophy. So it, it, it really goes back to, to kind of the, the book and, and the investment philosophy as the foundation of what we're doing. And, and as Matt was saying, most of the advice profession is aimed at that top Two percent. Much of it is actually aimed at even one percent, even even smaller, the ultra high net worth individuals. But having your kind of automated service enables you to offer 
um, evidence-based investing to a much broader range of people who may, as you say, eventually become your own clients of, of, uh, of Appeal Investment Group, Matt. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think we wanted to do it, one, in part because, yes, it is could be a good uh, farm system for other parts of our business, but also, I mean, this may sound a little sappy, but it's what's in our heart. I mean, we just feel like it is the right thing to do. And we were waiting for the technology to allow us to sort of do the right thing. I think that's one of my favorite parts of this this uh, niche, uh, this part of the industry is there are a lot of sort of altruistic people who want to do well for themselves while still doing good in the world. And that is really appealing to, to me. Um, and so I would say also to you, Robin, that's one of the things I love about you is I remember one of the first pieces of content I saw from you uh, really made me feel like the wind is at our back, even over here in the U.S., because if someone over in the U.K. is um, getting energy and creating great content and helping sort of spread this word, um, it it speaks to what's coming in the future. I think globally there is a migration away from gurus and gunslingers to uh, evidence and really putting the the odds of successful investing on on uh, people's side, be they just starting out or the mega uh, super affluent. And um, I really appreciate what you do. You put out uh, high quality thinking and uh, help many of us um, tell the story of, of evidence-based investing. So thanks for what you do and keep doing it. Matt, that's very kind and, and, and appreciated. Um, on the subject of altruistic people who try to do the right thing. Uh, we, we oughtn't leave this podcast without uh, mentioning Jack Bogle. Um, uh, PJ, um, you know, how would you summarize uh, Jack's legacy? Well, I would say, you know, clearly a trailblazer and a pioneer in the industry. And, and I, I don't think I can say anything more that's, in, that's already been set out in the marketplace. What has been fun for me to read is, is, other people's comments about his life. And you've got folks that are active and passive and wirehoused and just a wide range of other pioneers that had an incredible amount of respect for what he did over his career. So that, that's that been fun for me to kind of see how other peers view Jack in his lifestyle. Absolutely, Matt, there've been so many uh, lovely tributes to uh, Jack as, as, as PJ says. It's quite humbling, isn't it, that, that one individual can have touched so many lives um, like, like, like Jack did. Yeah, and I think for me, the takeaway is actually similar to Michael Lewis, who I, I like most of what Michael Lewis has written. I think he's one of the better um, you know, American writers. And um, mm. he said he writes stories about people who make brave choices. And as I think about uh, Jack Bogle, one of the things I love most about him is not where he sat at the end of his life with um, a, a wildly popular uh, investment philosophy that has trillions of dollars at the company he created. But what I admire most about him is where he started and the brave choices he had to make in the beginning. Um, I think it's easy for people to forget uh, how hard and how counterintuitive and how contrarian all of what Vanguard uh, stood for in the beginning, how odd it was. Um, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, and I really admire the stubborn, brave 
choices he made, uh, obviously not just in the way Vanguard is constructed, uh, but also in the way um, they fought that fight even when it, when it wasn't popular. And for that, I think I, I am inspired in my own work because I think we are stubborn. I think mm. we occasionally, though not quite as brave, make some courageous choices. I think we fight a good fight, and I think we are still going against that sort of very sales, self-centered uh, culture that exists across most of the big wirehouses and banks. And so that motivates me, and I think uh, I am motivated by the selflessness and the stubbornness and the brave choices Jack Bogle made. And I, I, I just think he did so much uh, for the for the for the investor who craved a different experience and who wanted something uh, based on um, academic evidence. Uh, although in the beginning, I don't know how many people understood the genius of what he was creating. He certainly appreciated um, today. Mm. Absolutely. It's been uh, inspirational talking to you guys. O always good to speak to um, people of the same mind. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and best of luck with, with both Hill Investment Group and, and PJ with Hill Folio. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Robin. Thanks, Robin. You've been listening to the Tebby podcast from the Evidence-Based Investor. I've been talking to Matt Hall from Hill Investment Group in St. Louis and his colleague PJ McDaniel, who heads up Hill Folio. The podcast was produced by Regis Media, which provides and distributes both financial education and marketing content for advice firms around the world. If you want to find out more, visit the website regismedia.com. You'll also find plenty of explanatory videos on Regis Media's YouTube channel. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. We're on both SoundCloud and on iTunes. Please do share it on social media and why not leave a review as well. But for now, from our guests, Matt Hall and PJ McDaniel, our producer, James Cresswell, and me, Robin Powell, goodbye. Goodbye.